Okay, so welcome to the latest DNI Spy episode. Um, I'm Natasha Whitehurst. And I'm Dr. Julie Humphreys. Um, and we do promise, as always, a candid discussion on those tricky topics that can sometimes leave people feeling a little bit uncomfortable. On today's pod, we're going to explore the importance of inclusion and why people should really care. It's a question that's been asked more and more recently. And we're also going to talk about psychological safety. What is it? Because it's a bit of a, a strange sort of uh, comment. And why is it important? Cool. So um, we can never do it by ourselves. Um, oh, no. So we are... So like, I'm so excited to introduce Dame Kelly Holmes, who is a successful Olympic champion. She's got a list of accolades that I could spend the rest of our podcast reading out, um, served in the British Army. And despite all the success, she's been very open about her struggles with depression and also self-harm throughout her career. More recently, though, she has fronted a documentary that we've both watched um, about, you know, the experience of coming out. Um, and that's in Kelly Holmes being me um so welcome thank you very much um now I know officially we had this conversation now you are you know you are a dame like officially should we like be like calling you dame kelly we just had this conversation (laughs) together like is that like how we officially do this I do have this running joke now because I've got all these letters that started to get more more and more attached to my name so Mm. Um, somebody the other day was saying if you put everything together like how would your name be and it's actually um, honorary colonel dame kelly holmes mbe military because i keep my military mbe oly which is olympian and then like if i really really wanted to go for it all my honorary doctorates that i've got which is 12 i could add to the end because they're honorary i feel like a bit of a fraud so we stick with kelly today (laughs) that is (laughs) Awesome. And I love that because we have we have the same running joke in so I work, we me and Julie work together very closely, but I always refer to her as Dr. Julie because um and I can see she's like, crushingly embarrassed like, she's so embarrassed, like so embarrassed about being a doctor. Um like you found it really She'd hard to come be, to terms with. Be. Be yeah. Yeah. It, it's really hard though, isn't it? It's, it's like you say it, you feel a fraud. You shouldn't feel a fraud because you've got honorary doctorates at all, but for some reason you do with all of your like, amazing career. Uh, and it was like, I, I feel, you know, it was really hard getting my doctorate, but now I'm just like, oh God, don't call me a doctor. It's like really embarrassing. <laughs> like imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah, <set it's>, in. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we said we're going to talk about inclusion. Why should I care? And I think it's a question that more and more we get asked um by um colleagues people externally um and and the way we refer to inclusion is um you know we say inclusion's doing word it's an action it's you know something that we all have to do um and i think you know we've talked a lot and julie you can probably kind of refer back to that kind of moment when george floyd was um, murdered and that was a real turning point wasn't it yeah well from an industry perspective um i mean we've been in dni for a long time and it was like it used to be really hard to get it on the table to talk about it and then suddenly um george floyd was murdered and people and companies started listening and you know the media started listening and and there was a real um, movement but then recently it seems to have been a bit of a a, a sort of a, a seed change and now it's about, you know, this wokery gone mad and, you know, then the political correctness gone mad has started coming back in the, you know, the conversation. And it's mm-hmm. it's really interesting that, you know, it's, it's like a dichotomy of, you know, what's important, what used to be, what's now not important. And yeah, so, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, for me as an individual, I've always had this sort of sit back and look and listen because I haven't been really talking about anything in the DNI um let's say sectors ever Mm. and uh, one thing that came to light for me was when uh george floyd um came and the black lives matters came because i started getting asked to talk about that in my speaking engagements Mm. and i found it incredibly hard and it made me realize almost then the issues that we have in front of us is that the perception is is that everybody should have a um everyone should have an answer on how they feel about this situation. So everyone should support one voice or go one direction. I found it quite hard because I, again, we talk about the word, uh, feel a bit of a fraud, is that I grew up with a white mother, white siblings in a whiter than white 
um, village of Kent, where mm -hmm. I still live to this day. My wife, stepdad, and I have mixed race um, brother and sister who I didn't grow up with, but I know very well. I don't know the other side of my family at all. And when this came to light, ultimately put me back into my days in South Africa when apartheid was obviously uh, really bad and I used to go there as an athlete and I went in 93 so just a year or so after apartheid had lift, uh, lifted and I remember staying in this white uh, farmer guy's um, cottage massive cottage yeah. now over there I mean the racism, if you want to call it that, was rife. You know, you are segregated completely. And, you know, you have these signs on beaches saying whites and coloreds and Indians and blacks, blah, blah, blah. And I remember going to this house and I was an international athlete. And uh, I'd heard that this guy had hundreds of black workers because unfortunately over there, everyone's desperate to have work. So they become to a penny. And he was awful. He was just such a racist guy. But he took my money mm. and he took me in because I was British and I had money. So it made me think that this isn't a colour thing, this is a class thing, <laughs> you know, because suddenly it's like I'm in your house <laughs> and yet you treated everybody that's working around me like that. And I had this thing in my head for years and years and years, like what are the issues? And the issues are we never talk to people. We always have an assumption of different races and cultures and an attitude towards them if we don't know, if we're scared or if we just do not know. And that's about education, which I think a lot of these subjects are about educating people properly and informing them of all the different subjects that are out there in the mm -hmm. DNA thing. So people can then have a clear, concise opinion of why they're matters because essentially I believe that I like anyone unless they're a horrible person yeah okay so when Black Lives Matter came I lost all this about black rights and I actually felt really bad because I have very few sort of black really close close black friends very few and I thought well I've never really asked you your opinion because they grew up with their let's say the black cultured side living maybe in London, living mm. in high populated cultural areas where there is issues that they get offended and um, uh, dismissed and abused many times in their life. And it just made me realise that let's not tarnish everybody with the same brush, mm. first and foremost, because that is just a really bad way to go, uh, a negative approach. I think we have to try and listen to people's concerns and causes and how they are affected as individuals so that we can understand why they have these problems etc and it made me open my eyes because I just felt like I don't know how to answer you properly other than to say that I'm doing a speaking engagement and I'm sitting there and I'm standing in front of you and there could be a handful of women that look like me Mm. we could have the same tone color skin but you could have two black parents you could have a white and a black you could be adopted you could be all of these people yet you assume we uh, we speak think the same yeah <laughs> like, but we don't you know we're all so individual and unfortunately the problem is is they get a divide as in two rather than okay everybody's very different uh your religion your race your color your creed you know mm. white people walking around could be from anywhere in you know the world so it made me realise that education and talking and opening up those conversations are really, really important to give everybody a voice uh, when it comes to that. Mm. That was one of my thoughts. I, I like how you say there about um, personal experiences and we do all have very different personal experiences and clearly, you know, you've had a really big year already. Um, oh. There's been a lot, a lot happening. Um I, I want to take you back to you know we, we've been talking a lot about the documentary and like I say we've both watched it I've, I think I've watched it a few times um a few times now um you were clearly like really fearful of coming out and we you know we talk about um the flip side of inclusion being exclusion um and I'm keen to understand was I guess was that fear of coming out was that because of a fear of like being excluded or and and I guess following on from that has coming out publicly like helped you feel more included yeah I think uh you know having an inner fear anyway for anybody is debilitating and I had a fear for so long in my life because of the ban in the uh, the British mm. army 
I was also always fearful of the consequences of me then admitting that I had been gay during a period of time where it was illegal to be gay in the forces. So that was ultimately my fear. I mm. mean, my uh, my parents, my um, best friends, everybody kind of knew. So in one side, I was living kind of my life, really. Uh, but in my public life, which I hold, you know, really dear because that's how I've got to become same for homes it's how people know me it's yeah. uh, that I've always done that I just didn't know a way of being myself within that and that was my fight my battle mm. um when I do I so did I feel excluded I felt excluded from so many conversations because I just wouldn't go there I wouldn't have that mm. I wouldn't have any personal conversations with anyone outside of my friends and family and it made me feel like I'd always put this big barrier up brick wall mm. I would go when any conversations was happening I would be very sort of friendly and you know I had enough in my life through athletics and army and mental health problems to actually have a conversation without going there if you know mm. what I mean so it was almost like a it was a safety net but um I needed to do it for myself and that's one of the things that I've felt when I did the documentary it was really important to me that it was done in a really um thoughtful way for mm. anybody that's listening because everyone's uh story or say coming out story is going to be very different yeah. um being able to do it i mean it's been the best thing ever really you know it's, oh. it's certainly i yeah i mean in one way <laughs> in one way it's strange because the first part i was um having a narrative in my head to actually allow myself to be okay with people knowing, to allow myself yeah. to just be in an environment that I could just say exactly what I wanted and not be on edge. And that's been quite it's been so different to unravel um, habits. But uh, in the other sense, I've met, I've had so many more conversations, met so many more people, been out for lunch, dinner, blah, 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 with everyone. I've been asked to go to parties. I'm having a great time now. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> We also saw you coming out in the Sunday Mirror, so and yeah. we we're, we're so we're intrigued uh, really about why you decided to do it at that point during this summer. What 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 was that trigger? Um, so the process of doing it's been a long one. You know, mm. uh, I knew that at some stage I needed to, and I will say the word free myself, free mm. you know everything that was stopping me being who I wanted to be. And I think there's so many people that get to that point that have that need um, because if they're not, it's so detrimental to your health and your being generally. My, mo my mother passed away and um, I knew that point that well, that was the worst thing to happen to me. And she always wanted me just to live my life. But mm. that was nearly now, by the time I did the dot, four and a half years before. And so it took me that long to actually get to the courage. I had a um, professional broke burnout I had a real bad breakdown because I was fearful that at one stage in my life I'm going to pass away we had COVID it was frightening you know I got COVID really bad on the first uh, wave and I just thought I have a right to talk to people about myself I don't want my friends and family to say wasn't it a shame she couldn't live her life and then start talking about everything that I was and who I was when I'm not here because that's my right and I want to live life I felt I was always waking up every morning, but not living life. And I decided I needed to change it. So I went for a two year process to find, uh, um, well, to get a documentary commission and find the right people to do it. Yeah. And that's how that went. And then I spoke um, with the mirror of being able to put the story out yeah. first um, to be able to explain it exactly how I needed to explain it because I didn't want it to be that there's you know there's a celebrity person coming out and just saying they're coming out because mm -hmm. most people these days always go no one cares but mm -mm. I used to say freedoms um freedom isn't sorry uh assumption is not freedom freedom's my voice I knew people thought about it I mean you know I'm I'm grown up <laughs> I know people assumed and people around me, whatever, but that doesn't free me just because you think I'm something. Mm. My voice was my freedom and that opportunity came and I had to do it. And and we saw um sort of we looked at a lot 
what was being said on Twitter and the paper reviews when the Sunday Mirror article came out. Um, what do you think about how the Sunday Mirror treat you know the treatment of you um, in, in terms of was it sensationalist? Was it uh, you know you're shaking your head? They were brilliant, I have to say. You know, my biggest worry was working with a newspaper who could twist the story and put these big sort of words up that I just felt weren't appropriate. You know, I'm, you know, I was being gay since I was 18. It's nothing new, but I'm, you know, uh, it's 34 years that I've been living with this. It's not a kind of expose um that my life and story didn't matter mm. um so we worked really closely and it was they were brilliant because i had complete editorial control um i was able to agree the headline that i absolutely felt was appropriate because i just don't think it's great when people just go come out as gay I mean, what have you come out of, really? Like, what, I mean, what have we actually come out of? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, yeah. no, we're gay. We just explain that we're, we're saying what we are, you know, or however you identify. And I just, I said, I don't want to, I don't want to have come out because I've been mm. out. I actually yeah. have been. <laughs> so, yeah, they did it really well. And it, um, it, it helped me a lot once that came out because I think that, you know, I mean, I only read and only got given positive stuff. And of course, there will always be probably some other bits, but that's not my issues. Um, It's other people's insecurities. But for me, it was like I felt they did me such a great job and the feedback that I got from it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, the only negative really comments that that I saw were were about, you know, and it's exactly as you say, that you you probably knew about in terms of, well, so what now? So why do people need to, to come out? And I think people who say that don't understand what it's like and don't have family yeah. or aren't, aren't gay themselves or don't have family or aren't allies um and they, they'll know but so I don't I didn't see any hatred at all I just saw, saw that no. question which we see a lot in fairness of yeah. you know they say that about diversity itself you know yeah. well, what, why do we keep talking about it you know it's because they haven't got the problems yes. you know that's the thing you know they don't live in our shoes when mm. we have these inner things that stop us being who we want to be because society allows them just to go freely and not have any Mm. conflict or barriers or privilege you know and if you do have any one of those things then of course it's difficult um so i think it's really negative and naive thing to say why does it matter it matters because everybody's situation is so different you know if my family didn't know or had rejected me i mean i don't know how I would have coped with how I've been in my life mm. um, against, you know, the public side, which I've been in for years. Um, and, you know, I feel very lucky that I had great friends and family because I know so many that don't. Um, I also know how hard it is for people within family makeups at the moment that over in social changes, but also generational changes. You know, I know so many people that got married, had kids because it was the dumb thing to do. But in yeah. their heart, it, they they just weren't being them and have changed their life um, since that to be able to have that freedom. But that's only come with social change. You know, because now in 2022, we're able to be a bit more open and authentic. But, um, that's allowing so many more people to make those changes, which they never would have done 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and hopefully it's it's the for me, it's the younger generation coming through. They can see hopefully older people coming out and saying it's OK, it's safe because there's such a ridiculous amount of um, LGBT homeless people that are, are mm. coming out to their parents and coming out to their families and are being kicked out. And it's the saddest thing. Mm. And I think it, the more yeah. we can do to talk about it and to say, you know, there are safe environments for you, you know, this this is something that is not to be ashamed of. This is something that you can actually, you know, celebrate rather than hide. Yeah, I mean, I do think that, you know, on the flip side of that as well, the, the younger generation are in a generation where there is more acceptance between them. So the conversations aren't like we had, you know, I mean, I had sex education, I was blowing up condoms, you know, everyone ever ever talked about anything else. Now it's all so free. I have 10 nieces and nephews and most of them are school age now. And, you know, they're they're just walking around with their mates who identify however they want. So I think 
in the future we have a positive kind of look forward i hope but it's obviously now that we've got to make those changes really positive because i do think i think you mentioned it between at the beginning that there's a big push to for organizations and people to put things in place and to say we're there and mm. you know kind of bit more open but there is also slight backlash which I see from having sat back and I'm a um you know I'm a motivational speaker for corporate so I, I've never spoken about this on a platform with hundreds of people and I've seen also this sort of pushback because we've gone from I mean this is only my personal opinion and everyone has their own so I, sure. I'm not right or wrong so but um if I look at environments that we've gone through um the acceptance and then sort of labeling and then our pronouns and general acceptance it's got more and more as though diversity has to be embraced from every single asset and you can't think any different you can't think in negative you can't kind of have an opinion you can't you have to accept it and i think it gets back to the whole if people don't understand it that's where they start backlashing mm. so when i did my documentary and shows a very small part but i spoke to a lady called um lady phil who yeah. runs black lives matters yep. and she was brilliant she really was but we had a longer conversation that obviously got shown and i i will put my hands up i went and said i do not get the alphabet now of lgbtqia plus and it wasn't me being detrimental i said i, I don't get i don't get it it's just when i grew up it was lgb it was quite simple and then they're going like explain, like, explain it to me because i need to have words to explain to people and it is so simple, you know, it's uh, the fact of it gives somebody visibility. If they see somebody else that feels and looks and acts like them, it gives them a place to go that's a safe haven. So once you know you, there's other people that feel like you, you've got somewhere to go. So why all these organisations are obviously developing is so a, a safe place for everybody who identifies however they want. And it kind of made me think in my own very simplistic way, if I was blue and I can't see any blue people around, I'm gonna feel really isolated, really scared, really targeted. I'm gonna hide away from the world because mm. I'm scared of what anyone thinks of me. And that's the same as when you start to open up about who you are, um, if the other people, the recipients don't get it at all, it's a hard and scary place to open up in. So by having these sort of silos and a community, as I see it now, um, I think it's fantastic for people. Uh, definitely and so you know that's why it's got bigger and bigger and bigger and pride is just like oh my god that's my first pride <laughs> this year and that was like oh my god this all happens um but uh and the same sense of that i get if you have grown up in a real traditional family when no one around you as you assume has anything but being heterosexual yeah and white maybe and possibly male, um, you your acceptance of people suddenly being or whatever will be very either um, you've got a very liberal mind anyway and you don't care or you just don't get it and why is it getting rammed down your throat and why am I getting told that I've got to do this and say this and call them this and that. Yeah. I can get how some people will be in. And that's meant as a scared of change, as we know, losing control of the authority that they have, and also just don't get it. They don't know because mm -hmm. they don't know anyone. So the more we talk about it, the more that hopefully people like myself in the public eye can try and normalise the conversation. You know, I've not changed since you cheered me round a track and put me on a pedestal, and I won two first person ever to win two gold medals in the in Great Britain. You know. I've not changed. I've still been exactly the same person, but I'm now able to give you more of me mm. and to help you understand that anyone living in a way that isn't living their life, it's just not good for you. It's not healthy and it's not fair. Yeah, I, I, I love what you've just said there. And I think that links really nicely into psychological safety because I think actually having that safe space where you can be yourself, you show up in a, such a different way. Like for me, psychological safety is like, it's more of a feeling that you can go to work or like be just in life generally really feeling like you can just be you 
100% you and I think how you said there about having those two different personas you know one for work one for home actually now that you can be the same Kelly in both sides actually you can see like when you talk about it when you talk about like feeling free and um like freedom like I can see on your face because this is a podcast but I can see on your face like you are <laughs> like you just light up and so yeah. clearly now you have that kind of more kind of safe environment I don't know whether you, what your thoughts are Julie well I was just thinking back to um Kelly's so conversation during your um, documentary and, and and in the Mirror article when you were talking about the back room in the army that you used mm-hmm. to go and sort of be yourself. And, and I suppose that made me think that that's a tangible method of psychological safety for you. It was there. So there was somewhere, you know, you didn't have to sort of go off and just try and find something in your heart to think this, you know, it'll be all right, it'll be all right. Actually, you had people giving you that validation in that room at that point. Was that something that re- you really uh, sort of appreciated at the time or were you just so fearful you couldn't you couldn't get over that? Yeah, I think so in the army it was obviously very different because, you know, when you join, you're pretty much told straight away um, that, yeah, I, I can't even remember exactly the... Um, wording that they gave you but basically you couldn't have any form of homosexuality um or relationships with anybody the same sex probably was the wording they used um and that you can't sit on a bed with somebody with both feet off the ground it's made me laugh because most of the women that join were gay anyway <laughs> or ended up knowing that they were gay <laughs> literally my but, mind um, is like blown every time I hear this my mind like, just goes yeah it was, cra- it was crazy it was crazy life but um yeah I think the military was very different because of that ruling and very different from men as well because of course you know one sense when no one knows anything you're there as a soldier uh people are sent out to the front line to fight uh against their comrades you know they're there to um, do what they've done the oath to the Queen at, you know, to serve the country at the mm. end of the day. And that should really just be a, a person that's good enough to do that. Um, within the military, of course, it was really bad. Um, and it's something that I'm hopefully going to do a little bit of campaign with, with the Mirror as well, is um, looking, at the miscon- looking at the misconduct and treatment of military personnel during uh, 1979 to 2000 which is uh, a review that's happening because yeah uh, I, I mean I, I think you, you saw it you know people were, basically people were kicked out of the military uh, they were court-martialed jailed uh, completely humiliated abused in some uh, circumstances um, it was a really bad time for people in the military who were from LGBT as it was then community um, and what my safe haven probably while I was in is just I knew other people that were so it's almost as long as you don't like powers of B don't really know and you go around to places that you know were away from barracks it was all right you know it's weird it's weird how I know I just lived my life but then you had a fear you go back in your barracks that if somebody comes or the RMPs find out and they come and raid you raid your rooms and completely turn everything upside down throw everything there is trample on everything tear everything up rip your place apart and then just leave you completely humility humiliated scared and things that embeds in your mind you know Mm. um so it's just like you, everyone gets a coping mechanism for life anyway, don't they? You know, we all cope, which isn't the right way, but we all end up coping. Um, so, yeah, but you said about lighting up. Yeah, I just think that if we can allow people to feel that they can show up as themselves, you'll have far better employees. You'll ha- You'll probably make much closer... Uh, colleagues and comrades and friends because you're actually really given yourselves whereas when somebody isn't and they're only given part of who they are they're given part of their personality they're given part of their Mm. energy and hobbies and excitement you know and why shouldn't we all just live learn to live together and at the end of the day 
we don't all like each other in the world just because we're not the same people so realistically it should be that first and foremost it's like you know do i get on with you are you a nice person you know have we got the same values do we have a laugh that really should be the only thing that we should be talking about as opposed to you know how are you identifying now what why does that make us so different yeah and, and and that not being a barrier because you know we talk about it at work you know people should be able to feel safe that they can come to work and be themselves no matter what what that is and they can share as much or as little as they want but actually they're in an environment that is safe that they can do that and that's really really important yeah the um the the hr sort of profession is uh, there's a chartered profession called chartered institute personnel and development Personal um, yeah. Person, yeah sorry <laughs> i should know what it is i'm a fellow all right doctor <laughs> um so th- he, he's the chair peter cheese has just come out actually and said um and i wrote it down because i thought it was interesting being authentic shouldn't mean people lose their filters organizations need clear principles and values and that's an interesting point because a lot of people when I say you know come on we want an authentic organization we want you to be authentic they say well you don't want the real me though do you you know and and it's interesting because I I suppose yeah if you've got like really horrendous views and you know then mm. then maybe not filter them out but actually we want you can bring so much to this organization and to any organization and and you know to, to you kelly with the track and you know you can bring everything as long as you can be free and you can be authentic and and what amazes me is how well you achieved when you weren't being true to yourself and you weren't being out and imagine what, what would have happened if you know you, you hadn't have had that that mental baggage when you were training and, and performing oh, yeah i mean I've won a few more medals. Oh, don't say that. We're about the same age, and I've no, underachieved the whole right. time looking I mean, at I'm, you. <laughs> you know, we all we have got. We're all very tough and resilient as people. Really, it's just how you kind of portray that in yourself. We can always, as you know, resort to the the um, one with low self-esteem and mm. confidence and mm. you know and that's when you're getting someone that's not really authentic because yeah. they kind of retreat to the the side of them that actually then they're, they're not but for me in terms of performance wise and that's why I say if you bring your true self you can perform even better but I think mm. you know because when you're with your friends or in your environment that you can truly be yourself you know you're probably the happy-go-lucky you know be say whoever you want and whatever and then as soon as there is a perception that that's not wanted or required or appropriate we flick a switch and become the closed versions of ourselves. and I think it's learning for anybody to have a balance between both of those as well anyway in the workplace because mm. you know I wouldn't ex- it's when people say bring your authentic self some companies still won't let you wear what you want to wear and have your tattoos all out and your piercings all showing, you know what I mean? And there's Mohican and all that lot. Still not going to let you do that. (laughs) (laughs) So there is that, what does it mean? And I think it's being able to talk about your life, to say who you are, to say who you love, to talk about your partner, to bring your partner into work, whoever that may be, Mm. um, and them to be treated exactly the same to be given equal rights and equal opportunities and responsibilities like anybody else. You know, that shouldn't always be a visual change. You know, I I have to think how I might or might not dress in certain circumstances, you know, uh, what I wear at home going around my mates. I wouldn't go and probably go on a board meeting in, you know. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, so there's this whole... You know, what is authentic self? Mm, I think yeah. it just be like, bring who you are as a person in your humility and your, you know, what you like talking about, what your interests, who you love, bring that to the plate. I think if you, if we were talked in that way, that would close the barriers of people going, well, you don't really want to bring myself, do you? Because, mm. you know, you wouldn't like me turning up like this. Well, no, probably not in some environments. It's not appropriate, you know. So I think it's from both sides that I think we cannot be too forceful in where we want to be perceived as well. You know, as a gay woman, I'm not going to shove any messaging down your throat. But if you ask me a question, I'll tell you why I think you should change your view if your view is really against people being themselves. Um, 
you know, because I just want to live my life and I do want to live it without having to second guess every single conversation I have. You know, we say partner or I don't know, I used to say a friend or a PA. I regret bloody saying that now because now if I take mm. my actual friends somewhere, everyone's now thinking they could be my girlfriend. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> no, so I'm actually now refusing to take my friends to places. So I'm like, there's no way. Oh, no way I'm letting people think I'm going out with you. <laughs> so now I've made like the biggest regret, right, in that in the bloody oh, mirror. So now I can't actually take my friends. That is so fantastic. Like, no, no. And they go, well, it doesn't matter what No, it does matter. <laughs> my, my girlfriend is very lovely looking and beautiful. <laughs> and, you know, I don't want you turning up next to me. So we do have this banter now. But um, <laughs> it's amazing. It's like that. But the, the the whole thing when I was saying is that I was being who I needed to be to be a professional athlete, to be a soldier, to be the person with a driven mm. focus. I was being that person, but I would have been a much better athlete. I don't think I would have got as many setbacks, injuries, mental health problems if I had was able to have mm. been myself because you cry yourself to sleep when you're worried but then you have to go out and perform mm. you know you have a breakdown I was self-harming I did lots of things associated them all to my sport because I was also getting a lot of injuries why was I getting a lot of injuries because I was stressed I had anxiety I was tight I was tense you know I bloody was the person that had probably the most injuries as an international <laughs> career. Yeah, on the other side, I won so many things. Yeah. So there's that resilience that we have. And I probably I'm just, you know, I'm going to do it. And also that was a cover probably for all the problems I had, you know, to succeed as an athlete helped me to succeed as a person. Because I don't know what I would have had if I didn't have that at the time. I think it's important um, thing to explore I think meant the link between mental health and uh, physical health absolutely we did I'm just going to say we did a quick poll as part of um, uh, this this podcast and we ask um, what do we say the virtual world yeah like okay. our, our followers <laughs> social followers um, and we asked them within your team at Go work it don't don't stress me is there a positive climate such as valuing your others um, each other's contributions and caring about each other so basically we asked people if they've got a positive climate within their team and overwhelmingly the results were yes um, and that's really interesting because apparently th there's been research that shows that if you have got a positive team climate, that's a really important driver for psychological safety. You want to have healthy group dynamics, don't you? Mm. You know, to move on, to get have solutions, to be a better organisation. Those dynamics have to be really positive. And then you've got to have that sort of interpersonal skills and relationships with people to get the best out of people. You can only really do that if you don't feel threatened or you don't feel like, oh, you've got to watch on tiptoes. You know, both sides. Someone might feel threatened and other people might think, oh, God, they've got to walk on tiptoes of how they talk to you. I think those sort of things need to kind of iron out a little bit, you know, kind of be uh, more, to be more inclusive, if to actually say to everybody that comes in is whoever you are, what your name is, your age, what your background is, um what your sexuality is actually is not of interest to us really in this organization we will talk about anything you know we want who is it coming to work who's doing the job where where can we drive you to be a better person what's your you know ambitions who's going to go for promotion you know and then actually if you allow people to then have any conversation and go out with mates and still be and from the day one come in and say yeah you know I've got a husband and we have two kids or something yeah. all right that's it out there done so I always felt that if I could have said before I became a world-class athlete I mean I was sort of in the army when I became a world-class athlete hence why I couldn't definitely say anything yeah. but if I was able to have said something right at the beginning of my athletics career my life would have been so much better I just was able to pull it out there I wouldn't be sitting having these conversations at all at all but I couldn't so I think if people could just literally have an environment that when they first meet whoever they're meeting and whoever they're coming into the company and say right okay we're open company we we just want to know if you want to tell us who you are 
hey, mad, are you not? Do you live with anybody? Because we're going to have invites. We want you to bring whoever you want to bring, your loved ones. If you've got children, we've got this for you. If you've got whatever. Yeah. And almost normalise the fact that you've asked those questions so that actually people from day one go, oh, <laughs> all right, I've got up now. Otherwise, people go in like in jobs. You know, I know yeah. people that have been in the police and jobs for a long time, civil service even. And one of my friends, she's been in civil service for 30 years uh, as a civilian working for the army. And only when I did my documentary did she then have the guts to go into work and just go, <gasps> wow. by the way, I'm gay. Oh Kelly my. Owens told you gay. I'm, <laughs> I'm gay. I love that. <laughs> and she said, and like me, you know, people who a lot of people who I know aren't necessarily in what is known as the community. They're just a gay man, gay woman or whatever. They're just, they mm. just are. And we just live our life, not, you know, just as it is. And they always go, well, I never filled out a form to say my sexuality. I wouldn't do the pronouns. I wouldn't do anything associated with it for fear of what my colleagues might say. Mm. Same as at my level. You know, I... I mean, I can't even believe I do this. I sat on, I sit on a diversity and inclusion board for a massive company, and I didn't know I was gay. Mm, gosh! Wow. How did? How did? How did? Yeah. Go on. Sorry. And when Pride came, sorry, no. When Pride came round, and I knew, like, my interview is going to come out with <laughs> the mirror, and my documentary is going to come out, and I've just been, oh God. So I went and told. <laughs> One of the directors, she was lovely, and she said, right, I'm just going to tell you, this is coming out. I might as well tell you now. But on our board meeting day, they'd had a Pride Awareness Month sort of stand, and we're all having our photos, and they all gave us a badge and to wear. And I was the only board member that didn't wear the badge. And it because my whole separation is... I don't have one, I never had one thing associated with anything that was rainbow, anything that was LGBT. I'm like, ah, because as soon as I put that on, you're like, ah. God, <laughs> you you've know? gone head first into it I've now then. Grown up. That's how I, and it's not because I'm, mm. you know, I'm proud of who I am. I'm absolutely proud of who I am. But for me, it was scared because I felt that if, if word got out, out who aren't part of my close-knit you know confidants let's say the risk if I didn't say the army was still there and this is the thing with fear most people's fear is quite irrational as we know mm. most people actually shouldn't fear the things they fear you know when it comes to conversation and just saying something to someone or meeting someone most of us is like you put it so much into your head that you know it's kind of so scary that you're not going there yeah. there's actually if I'd had one conversation with an army personnel that I did during the filming of my um, documentary I would have saved probably 20 years of Gosh. heartache <laughs> That's, yeah it must be just so like freeing freeing yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's why you know one of my missions now is to hopefully just because of being in the public eye be a voice for these normal conversations to allow people just to have feel mm. free and tell other people that are doubting or you know especially in the corporates and say like you know are you now judging me like are you now judging me because I've told you a bit more about my life you know yeah. because I probably am giving you a lot more now you know I'm being more sort of focused on what I want to say and I can articulate it hopefully in a way that that makes them understand where I'm coming from and how they can help their organizations open up these conversations because some are still very close places that I work in you know and I hope now that you know they're still booking me I'm getting more bookings and stuff so clearly they still want me to chat One of the last things I wanted to ask you was, um, as I said at the beginning, we say inclusion is a doing thing. It's an action. Um, what would be like your top tip or like inclusive action that you'd want to share or kind of say to people like out there? Ultimately, for people to have respect of others, to kind of um, respect the unique needs of people mm. in perspectives and then the potential of uh, people around them. Mm. I think if you give people that uh, ultimate um, ability to express how they feel, what they do, why they are, um, and their perspectives on things, you're going to have a stronger, you know, 
group of allies and people together you know at the end of the day that's what you want we just want people to be personally it's about if i can show up as me you're going to get a better, much better version of me uh, because i'll give you everything because you're accepting and you know we're on an equal footing yeah drop the mic I know. That was proper. That was, that was good. That was Respect, good. Perspective and potential. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we, I think we, we said that we couldn't go through the whole podcast without, obviously, you know, it's been a big week um, without referring to the Queen. Um, and, you know, you spoke um, very honestly in the documentary about, you know, you got your, you got your, um, I think it was the MBE or the Damehood yeah. from the Queen. I got my Queen, uh, sorry, my Damehood from the Queen and I got, I've also got an uh, MBE for services to the military, which okay. I actually got from the now king. Um, <laughs> wow. But, uh, yeah. I mean, it's so sad. Uh, as a, a military person, so I'm still an honorary colonel with the Royal Armoured Corps training um, regiment. So I have been that for four years. And obviously I served for nearly 10, 10 years. You swear allegiance to uh, the Queen, or we did now, they now they swear to the king but you swear allegiance to the queen when you first join that's your oath of allegiance and it's kind of just a known fact that it's not just why you're serving it's for life because you serve the crown and not the government yeah so i've always 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 had a massive affinity to the queen in particular and when i joined the military i was also a driver and she joined when she in 1944 um when she joined the ats as a uh, the only female um monarch to serve uh in full service yeah. uh, she was a driver mechanic as well so it's kind of like each of those little things it's like oh god i was the same as her so, you know, <laughs> i was a driver i was a driver <laughs> i was a driver so, no and i've met her so many times but i mean so many people have but i think it's such a personal thing you know there's a personal connection connection always between the queen and the armed forces anyway because she was commander-in-chief yeah but um i think once you have met her you'll have a you know a different personal reasons for having that kind of love and you know she always had this huge awe around her you know I loved uh, that she would come up I love the quote that I read from one of the biographies is like why would I wear beige because no one knows who I am and she's like you know she goes brightly full-on <laughs> colors as she's got older I think she's kind of really embraced that which is something now I've trying to wait apart from today because I was having to do something in the queen earlier but um, <laughs> um uh yeah and I just feel it's so sad it doesn't matter her age it's like she was immortal it's almost yeah. like you know hundreds should have been like literally the cutoff point like why she needed to get to a hundred you know because she gave up this hundred year old thing it was almost like she was never gonna go because we've all lived with her all of our lives most of us um and the young people living to this day will never see a monarch that long you know there'd have to be an absolute catastrophe for that to happen it to become one of the young 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 royals times now you know touch with no but um no one's gonna have that in their lives you know and she was the strong stoic kind of like leader you know and from a female perspective you know to have why are we known as Great Britain? We're known not as a little island floating on the sea. We're known because we have a monarch that everyone knows the queen. You know, I don't know every king and queen in every other country, but absolutely be sure everybody from every country knows the queen from Great Britain. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's a big loss, a big loss. And I just don't get how the royals have soldiered on literally from day one i mean then like how do they mourn i mm. just mm. you know and that just shows like true service to your country like she did they're just following suit aren't they yeah i feel like that's a whole nother uh a whole nother podcast for us isn't yeah it? that's another mm. podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i love the queen <laughs> i'm oh, so sad like, yeah. honestly, i was oh i've been in bits we've been the but, same yeah yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't want to put it on a downer, but we, we just have to talk to you about her. So thank you so much for being here. It's it's like been, we are, like yeah, we're fangirling, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, it's um, been really great talking to you. Thank you so much. <laughs>
Thank you. And hopefully I can get to speak to you again when you've got other subjects. I'll come on. Absolutely. Yeah, defo. <laughs> definitely. Get oh, any of these. Um, I, my, one day I will leave with you. So as what I am doing now, so one of the positives that I am doing, I hope, is I'm going to try and meet up with lots of organisations from the LGBT plus communities so that I can understand more. Because if I'm going to be a voice, I need to understand where people are coming from and where their fight is and then be a... I never want to align myself with one side of it because that's just not me. I'd rather know where everyone's coming from and come up with a, you know, yeah. kind of a, a voice myself that can articulate their causes in a way that hopefully people understand. So that's my mission going forward. Wow. She was good. That was really good. I was um, very overwhelmed, the fact that we had Honorary Colonel Dame Kelly Holmes MBE. We even managed to get the full title out of her. With lots and lots of uh, letters and an alphabet she was talking about. And the, the it was nice how she was talking about how her mom uh, was proud of the letters that she got after her name. Yeah, and clearly like her mom's been a really big influence on her life and more recently even coming out you know and I think it seems as though when you hear her talk and you see the things that have been written her mum passing actually was the catalyst for her coming out and her being free which she obviously talks about an awful lot. Yeah and when I I did my research and to well, I guess <laughs> so I did my research and I, I listened to lots of um, snippets of interviews that Kelly's done over the years and and I just thought she sounded freer this time. She sounded less guarded. She sounded like she was in her moment. Yeah, you can see when you talk to her, like her face like l- literally lights up when she talks about this. And I think we talk a lot about people being able to go to work and be open, honest, authentic, be their true selves, however you want to phrase it. And it's clear to see now that now that those barriers are down for her, she's loving it. Yeah. And very happy. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Great time. Great episode. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) You can find us on Twitter. Our handles are in the show notes below. And if you've liked what you've heard, please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to get new episodes automatically. Thanks for listening.